Could a diet deficient in key nutrients be to blame for bouts of bad moods? This could be great news because along with medication, therapy, and any other treatment your health professional prescribes, making simple changes to your diet may help you to feel better. In part one last week, we focused on food and diet and we touched on omega-3s. Today, we're going to deep dive into specific nutrients and hopefully get one step closer to answering the question, could what we eat help our mental wellness? Let's find out. Okay, so omega-3s are a nutrient that we should be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. What are some others? Well, then there's my favorite, vitamin D. But I do, let me, I'm going to have to get on my soapbox for a second. Please. I was I love a, a Carolyn soapbox. I feel like it's real trendy right now. Vitamin D is real trendy right now. It really is. Actually, can I sidebar for a hot minute? I went to Whole Foods to actually buy some vitamin D supplements for me and yeah. my children. And I like the dropper, like oil kind. That's like my preference. Ooh. I kid you not, three brands completely cleared off the shelf wow that was it i only had one choice for the oil kind unless i wanted like wow. a chewable or whatever and i'm just not a big onto the chewables yeah so yes i'm with you anecdotally i can say wow it is well i just want to put out there this was my favorite vitamin before it was cool it kind of makes me mad that it's so trendy now and yeah. people probably think i just jumped on the bandwagon uh-uh no I've been taking. Yeah. You were an early adopter. I was taking vitamin D about a year and a half before COVID hit. Yeah. You were the Because OG. I was so, yeah. <laughs> that yes. doesn't mean you're old. No. No. You were just the OG vitamin time. D taker. Yeah. So vitamin D. We didn't really learn much about vitamin D in school. We learned some, but it was always associated with bone health. Right. And the emphasis was on calcium and like if you didn't and yeah, not getting it. If you didn't get enough D, if kids didn't get it, they had rickets where they're like legs bowed in. I mean, it, that was the extent of it. But it does so much more in the body. It is needed for normal brain development and function. It's so intricately tied into your immune function. And that's where I first really got interested in vitamin D a couple of years ago. Um, and I'll come back to that. But the other thing it does is it plays a role in the initial synthesis of serotonin. That feel-good chemical. Yes, that feel-good neurotransmitter. And deficiencies, or not deficiency, but low levels of vitamin D in the body have been associated with all kinds of chronic diseases. We're talking about vitamin D in particular on this podcast because it is very closely connected to clinical depression as well as some other mental health issues. But this is really a new area of research. When I, I pulled it, there's a great meta-analysis that was published in 2020. And it looked at almost 150 articles. But just to give you an idea of how new this area looking at the connection between mental wellness and vitamin D is, over half of those articles were published in 2015 or later. Wow. Yeah. So this is so a very new... More than half of 150 yes. articles were published in the last five years. Um, yes. That had to do with vitamin D and brain and mental wellness. Wow. So, yeah. But... What this 2020 meta-analysis suggested is that vitamin D levels are inversely correlated with clinical depression, which means when you have an inverse relationship, the lower your vitamin D levels are, the higher your risk or possibly severity of your 
of clinical depression. Mm-hmm. When vitamin D levels are high, that are the higher, the more closer they are to adequate, sufficient levels, the lower your risk of clinical depression and or severity. So that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And the meta-analysis also suggested that vitamin D is is connected more than they ever thought to our brain. It restores neurotransmitter imbalances, but it also lowers the level of inflammatory compounds in the brain. And this is important because depression is associated with elevated levels of chronic inflammation. It also helps to regulate, I think I mentioned this earlier, regulate the production of some of your neurotransmitters like epinephrine and dopamine, and it's tied into serotonin as well. So it's really involved in a lot of, for lack of a better word, like processes in our body and in our brain that have, that are impacted by depression or play a role like can be can impact depression yes and in fact several studies suggest that vitamin d has almost a protective effect on the brain Mm. it protects the brain and those neurons from inflammation and damage from inflammation and there's just it's a lot of interesting research coming out but there was when it comes to supplementing vitamin d this meta-analysis looked at four randomized control trials which you know are kind of the gold standard and they looked at three of them looked at supplementing with vitamin d to help um, symptoms of clinical depression and the fourth one looked at supplementing vitamin d in conjunction with also taking an antidepressant and all four of these studies demonstrated benefits that ranged from moderate to large, depending on how big the sample size were. But all four studies of these randomized control trials suggested that there was benefit to supplementing with vitamin D. Now, there have been a few randomized control trials that have also shown no benefit. None have shown harm that I could find, but sometimes the, the results have not been clinically significant. But again, we go back to the... There, There appears to be some benefit. Vitamin D plays a role in some key processes, and there doesn't seem to be much in the way of harm. Right. So, yeah, and that's the thing with vitamin D to me is we're most likely, most of us probably aren't getting enough, and there's really low risk to vitamin D. And we know we you know, it's very hard to get in our diet. Right. So that's why this is one supplement I encourage. And I'm not a big supplement person. Yeah. Usually. But this is one that I encourage. So this is one that you would probably benefit from. So if you want to take a supplement, you're talking about buying vitamin D the other day. You may see there's two forms out there, D3 and D2. So yeah, which, which one? Which one do you recommend? Well, They both can raise levels, but it appears that D3 is probably your better choice, your more effective choice. D3 is found is what's naturally produced in the body. It's what you're going to find in animal foods. And there was a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials that suggested that D3 raises your blood concentrations more for a more sustained period than D2 does. So look for D3. Just want to check that. D2 won't hurt you. It just may not work quite as effectively as D3. And obviously having just been in the store, like it's pretty obvious what the supplement is. I mean, they're very clear on the label that it, that it is a D3 or, or a D2. It's not like you have to 
dig deep no, to figure no. it out. This so. is one of the easier things to find on those labels. Fortunately, yeah. 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 yeah, some of those supplements get confusing. Okay, so I mentioned that the RDA for most adults is 600 IUs. I'm going to tell you what is suggested, and then later I'll, I'll tell you what I actually take. But what I think is important to point out, and this is for any kind of vitamin or mineral supplement, supplement you take. I tell my students, don't look at the bottle. Look at what the RDA is, and then look at what the UL is. And the UL is the tolerable upper intake level. So look that up because that is the max. You don't want to go over that. That's the max you can take every day without having adverse symptoms. Right. Okay. So the UL for vitamin D is 4,000 IUs. And that's pretty high. The other thing, yeah. too, that's important to say about vitamin D is vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So what does that mean for you? It means that if you take too much, it's not typically one of those that you're going to pee out extra. Right. Right. Like you take too much vitamin C, you're basically just peeing your supplement yeah. out into the toilet. But at the same time, you're not really at risk for reaching toxic levels of vitamin D. Right. It's not because one the of the UL yeah. is so high. It's so high. Right. Yeah. But yeah. still the point is is like don't go crazy because it's not it does it gets stored in your fat. Yeah. Yeah. So the RDA is 600 IUs. What research tends to suggest, now you know the research studies, they all use different amounts. But what it appears is that anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day is beneficial and effective for raising your levels. And, and this is more in line with what the Endocrine Society is suggesting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day. Now, you will see larger doses, like you may see like a 20,000 IU supplement. Vitamin D is one of those because it's fat soluble where it's okay to take like one or two of those 20,000 a week. That's not what you want to take every day. Just make sure that it divides out like over a week time to, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 IUs per day. Right. It's like if you eat fish versus taking an omega-3 supplement, mm -hmm. right? Like right. they say, make sure you get your two a day, your, or sorry, not two a day, make sure you get your two servings a week because then what it does is it gives you the omega-3 amount that you need technically for the whole week for the whole week when you break it out per day. So same concept, which is kind of nice to think about it with vitamin D because you, you could just take it a couple times a week and meet your quota. Yeah, maybe I need to try that with my kids. I hadn't thought about that. Because we take the ones that you swallow. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why I just got into the oil a long time ago for vitamin yeah. D. You know, vitamin D is just, I can't say enough about it. It is tied to so many things that I think we don't even know about. It's particularly tied to autoimmune diseases. There's mm -hmm. thoughts that it may play a role in cancer prevention or cancer treatment. It's really fascinating. And it's even more fascinating to me in that we just thought it was this thing that worked with calcium for our bones, and that's all it did, mm -hmm. you know? Right, and now we're seeing and now it's like all this of the potential that it has. Hot thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's the part that I think is important, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, that is important to mention to everybody, is that what you just said was that in people who have lower levels, so it's not necessarily this the research is not necessarily saying take this and improve it right it, it the point is is that it's when your levels are low is when it's problematic so you want to make sure that you have well adequate levels and kind of and this is 
So what they are saying is they have noticed that in depressed individuals, um, and this is this is true with people who test positive for COVID and the tests that they've done this past year with vitamin D, they are noticing that these individuals also happen to have low vitamin D blood levels. Right. So we can't say necessarily that depression is caused by low vitamin D levels or that COVID, you're going to catch COVID if you have low vitamin D levels necessarily. Although that's a little more, there's a little more meat to that one. But by low vitamin D levels may be a side effect of depression or other mental wellness issues. So we don't really know if low vitamin D is the cause or the symptom or kind of a mix of both. Right. Or do we know if low vitamin D can worsen depression and other kind of mental wellness I don't know if we know that definitively, but there have been studies that have shown increasing vitamin D alleviates some of those depressive symptoms. Got it. Most of us actually need to be more mindful of how much vitamin D we're consuming, right? Because even though it is that quote unquote, the sunshine vitamin, meaning our body can make it from getting like literal sun, right? So even though it's the sunshine vitamin, if you live in Florida, you still might Right. You still might not be getting enough from the sun. So, I mean, of course, yes, northeast, northwest, you know, Def- yeah, Canadian well, border. But And this is one of the – it was a study about 10 years ago that is the first thing that kind of got vitamin D on people's radar. And it was a study suggesting that the overall prevalence rate of vitamin D deficiency in the U.S. was around 41%. Now, there's some – disagreement about that some people say it's a little exaggerated but what i think is safe to say is you 41 people 41 percent of the people may not be deficient because you have to get pretty low to get deficient Mm -hmm. but most of the data supports to or points toward most of us may have less than adequate levels so most of us probably could benefit from some we cannot rely on the sun and we never really worried about vitamin d or 20 years ago or when we were in school we were just said, oh, the, your body can make it from the sun. Right. That's not the case. And most of most or there's a lot of people who may be not necessarily deficient, but not getting nearly enough what they need. But to kind of complicate this, there is drama in the research world. <laughs> it always cracks me up to think about like these oh, researchers yeah. fighting these among researchers themselves. Fighting among yes, themselves. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. That's not the best form. <laughs> so here's what it is. So, th- so vitamin D is unique from the other vitamins in that it acts like a hormone mm-hmm. in the body. The there's an RDA for vitamin D, like there are for most other vitamins, and it's set by the Institutes of Medicine. And so there is one amount for, for vitamin D of what you need based on the Institutes of Medicine. But it gets a little more complicated because there is drama in the research world. <laughs> it cracks me up to think about these people in lab coats maybe fighting among themselves. I'm sure they don't do that, but that's what I have envisioned in my head. In these I kind of like your vision. I yeah. think it's entertaining. Yeah. And it yeah. could be real. It could be. It could be going down in the lab (laughs) for vitamin D. So this stems from the fact that vitamin D is unique from the other vitamins in that it acts like a hormone in your body. 
So you've got the RDA for vitamin D, which is 600 IUs for most people, for most adults. When you get over, I believe, 70, it goes up to 800 IUs. So the RDA is basically what you need to take in every day. Yes, and that's typically what we go by when it comes to this. And they have based this on vitamin D levels that they say we need. Well, the Endocrine Society stepped in a while back and said, hey, vitamin D acts like a hormone, so we know what's best. People really need a lot more vitamin D than they're getting, and these levels that define what's normal level, what's deficient level, that kind of stuff that the RDA is based on are way lower than they should be. So, for Hmm. instance, the Endocrine Society says that Adequate blood levels of vitamin D are around 30 nanograms per milliliter, okay? The RDA is based on one that says, oh, no, you just need to have 20 or more. So there's disagreement, and the Endocrine Society says people are need a lot more vitamin D to really be at appropriate levels. They also point out that the RDA is based on an amount designed to keep our bodies healthy, but it's not designed, the amount is not geared towards like what's optimal for like your best health or what's, you know, what amount do you need for optimal health? Right. It's, so in a way it's almost like it's, at least what they're saying is that it's baseline. Right. Like it's enough to keep you healthy. Yeah. For most people. Yeah. So they're saying, first off, you need more than the RDA. And then second off, the blood amounts that the RDA is based on are way lower than they should be. Or not way lower, but lower than they should be. It looks like overall, a lot of people may be slightly lower in their vitamin D intake than they should be. And then if you're basing stuff on the endocrine society blood levels of what you should have, probably a lot of us are would fall in the category of being maybe not deficient still, but inadequate. Yeah. So the thing about vitamin D that's hard though, is that it's it's not in a lot of foods. No, this is, this is, you know, as a dietitian, what's ingrained in your brain in school, get it first from food if you can. In ways, it almost feels like an exercise in futility unless you're like a big milk drinker, yeah. right? Or you're buying another food that is fortified yeah. with vitamin D. Like, is it or- orange juice? Yeah, a lot of your orange juices are, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't, I have need to look, I'm not sure how, just like how much orange juice you would have to drink to get adequate. Probably, I think I maybe have like 40% of your daily value in there. So, but still, I don't, I don't really drink that much orange juice. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really drink that much milk. So I'm, you know, I'm looking for other, other options, sources. And I love sun, but I mean, I also love my skin. And that's the thing, those SPFs in your makeup and in your lotions and everything, which are great because they're preventing skin cancer, Mm -hmm. those block the rays that your body needs to make the vitamin D. So it's a catch, you know? So this is one nutrient where I think, you know, you and I would probably agree that this is one that is probably smart to supplement. Absolutely. What are some other vitamins that we should be paying attention to? Let's talk a little bit about the B vitamins. And this is one that I've kind of gotten personally invested in. So your B vitamins, they have a relationship to depression and mental health similar to vitamin D in that we don't necessarily know that low intakes 
intake of B vitamins causes depression or any kind of mental health issues. But what they have noticed is that people who have depression or anxiety or some other mental health issues typically have lower blood levels of certain B vitamins, like folate or B12 sometimes. Now, folate is, is the, has the biggest connection between, folate is a B vitamin, B9 technically. I don't know why some B vitamins, like you call by like their number. Like, right, like B6. Yeah. So for those who may not know, just like yeah. quick, there are actually a handful of B vitamins. Yes. And folate is one of those. It is technically B9, I believe, but we never call it B9. No. <laughs> no, but point is, is that there's a family of B vitamins, yeah. and Carolyn's going to hone in on a couple of them that yeah. seem to really make yes. a difference. Thank you for clarifying. And you think the naming discrepancies, you think that was some drama among the researchers? Like somebody was oh like, God. oh no, we're calling that B6. Do not call it by it. I'm clinic. sure it was like, you know, and Dr. Folate who was like, this one is folate. Yes. Do not call it B, B9. No. <laughs> I found a new thing that it does. Don't you love thinking about those researchers having like drama and like I territory issues? You and I both get great <laughs> joy out of that. Once COVID's over, we got to get one. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> okay. So your B vitamins act as cofactors, which basically means they're not enzymes, but they're necessary for these reactions that have to happen in the synthesis of, guess again, serotonin. Yes. And it's the regulation of serotonin and dopamine. And both of these neurotransmitters are involved in mood regulation, and they're both involved in depression and anxiety. Okay. So folate is the one that we have the greatest amount of research that is the most closely linked to depression because of its involvement in the synthesis of serotonin. Folate has to be broken down once you take it, okay? Once you get it from food or you take it from a supplement. It has to be broken down in the body through a process called methylation. Can you say that five times fast? (laughs) Just kidding. All right, moving on. So, I only bring this up because taking folate supplements or a B-complex, which means taking a vitamin supplement that has a lot of those different B vitamins in it, has not been shown to necessarily be effective or beneficial across the board for everyone. Some people it helps, but it is not... It's not a one-size-fits-all. No, and it's not really statistically significant in a lot of the research studies when they've just given across the board like a folate supplement or a B-complex supplement. Because? That is because. Well, you're going to have to get me off my soapbox if I get on it again. But um, (laughs) there's nothing like something being wrong with your child to make you learn everything you can about something and... I did not realize a couple of years ago that I was about to learn all I ever wanted to know about B vitamins and this dang gene variant called the MTHFR gene, mm. affectionately known as the mother effer gene. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's how I affectionately know it now mm-hmm. because it can really mess stuff up and you have no clue that it's going on. So let me back up. They think that this folate supplementation is not shown to be effective in a lot of people because there's this genetic variant or genetic mutation that a lot of people have that prevents your body from being able to break down folate, to methylate it. 
Right. So if your body can't break it down, even if you're taking adequate amounts, it can't do what it's supposed to do with the serotonin. Right. So you and I could each be taking folate supplements. Right. And you could have the mother effigene. Sorry to throw you in, but I figure, you, yeah, you know. I, oh, look, I have one. I have. I did. I have gone so deep into this that I know that I have the mother effer one variant. Both of my kids have two variants. And we're just going to say that I don't have it. You don't have it. No. No. Who knows? I now want to go find out. Um, but anyway, so you and I can both be taking folate supplements and it could be doing something for me because my body can break it down mm-hmm. and use it. But for you, for, it's not necessarily... They say when you have one genetic variant of this mother effer <laughs> gene variant... That you have about a 30% reduced capacity. So I can still methylate a little, some of that folate, but I have a 30% reduced capacity. So, which means I potentially am not creating all the serotonin that I need. Okay. Now, if you have two variants of it, like I have later discovered both my kids do, be careful with who you procreate. (laughs) If you have two variants, they say your capacity to methylate that folate so that you can use it is reduced to about 70%. So that's a huge amount. So you may be, I would here I was feeding my kids vitamins and all these green leafy vegetables to get, you know, vitamins in, but they could only break down and use about 30% of that. Mm. So it's really interesting, but this is also why SSRIs, which are what most of your antidepressants are, I'm not going to get the name right, but it stands for a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Did yes. I get that right? This is why a lot of these may, or some people find them to not be that effective or maybe uh, kind of so-so because they may, it may go back to a folate and ability to break down folate and use it. And so if you're taking an SSRI and you are, but you don't have enough serotonin to begin with, Mm-hmm. I see where you're see going now. Then yeah. you don't have. Then that antidepressant still doesn't have enough serotonin to work with. Right. And so it's not to say that it is, that the SSRI isn't effective. It's just that it doesn't have enough of what it needs. It doesn't exactly. Ha- yeah. Exactly. Yep. So to go back, they estimate that around a third of Americans have a one mother effer gene variant. Yes. Wow. I know. It's kind of crazy. And then when they look at depressed, there was a study that looked at depressed individuals. And so they said, okay, we know these people have show depressive symptoms based on this scale we are using. We're going to go see how many of these people have the mother effer variant, some form of it. And they estimated that 70% in this particular population, they were looked at 70%. 70% of the depressed people had the mother effer gene. Yes. At least one variant. Oh yes. My okay. Isn't this crazy? Please, let's just add this to the list of tests that I am now going to go and get. <laughs> okay. I will say, and, and we this could be a whole other episode, but I will say if you have 23andMe, I, I did not want to get the mother effer test necessarily or for my child because it's pretty expensive. She has since later had it, but... There is a, I just wanted to know maybe if I carried part of it, because that would give me a good indication mm-hmm. if she did or my son did. And if you have um, 23andMe, you can pull the raw data and there's a way to figure out if you have one or two variants. And that's how I figured out mine. 
Cool. And so even before she, Madeline had the test, the official mother of her test, I knew that I had one variant. So she probably, she had at least one variant. So I started giving her a methylated form of B vitamins, which I feel like has been so beneficial. What you can do is take a form of folate that is already methylated. So methylfolate. So that's what we take. Um, so it's we, basically like partially digested. It's partially digested and it can cross the blood-brain barrier, which is what's important because right. then your brain has this methylated folate, this broken down folate that it can actually use to yeah. create the serotonin. Yeah. So then also that could mean if you're taking antidepressants, your SSRI antidepressant can actually work because now you've got the serotonin that it needs to work with. Right. Isn't that fascinating? That really is. Yeah. So then, you know, as a mother, I'm digging into all this several years ago, and I'm right. like, what? I, it makes me mad that there's people don't know more about this. So the other thing is taking this methylated form of folate is less likely. Sometimes folate can mask a B12 deficiency, and this methylated form is less likely to do that. doesn't mean it won't do it, but it's less likely to do it. And there have been studies that have looked at giving methylated folate supplementation to people who have not had good response to antidepressants in the past or people with depression. And it has been shown to have a much more positive effect and statistically significant response in individuals than giving folate supplements or just B complex supplements. Okay. So Carolyn, let's say I don't, well, I actually, I don't know if I have the mother of her mm -hmm. gene. But now that you're, this one study said that 70% of depressed patients do, you know, we know I have a history of depression. I, I want to find out, but what if I'm not quite, you know, ready or I don't want to buy the test? You know, could I just instead of taking straight up folate, could I take the methylated form? Yeah. That was my big question a couple of years ago is I'm like – is there any downside to taking the methylated form? May, I don't know. This is before I got my data and figured out that I had one variant. I don't know if I do. I don't know if my kids do. But is there any downside if I just went ahead and started us all on a methylated form? And I have not found any. The methylated form appears to be more effective for people who are on antidepressants. It appears to be more effective for people than just taking a plain folate form. Does it work for everybody? No. But there appears to be no downside. So, you know, I told my parents to start. Yeah, I, I tell people regularly to take it because I can't find any downside. And when you look at the prevalence of the mother effer, mm -hmm. what does it hurt? Right. You know, and most right. people aren't going to go have this test. It's kind of an odd test, you know, that you've got to request and, you know, usually pay out of pocket for. So, yeah. So we take a methylated form. And if you... If, uh, I'm, I'll share later what, what I take, but um, you just want to see the word methyl before folate. Okay, that's just the easy. word methyl. If you look at if you're looking at your multivitamin or a B vitamin, you want to see methyl. Okay, and Important. have you been able to find it at like your typical uh, pharmacy or you know supplement aisle at the grocery store? Yeah. So and this back when I decided we were all going to take it. This was before my kids could swallow pills. Oh. So I'm like, oh, man. You know, because you look online and a lot of them are, you know, pills. they have to be swallowed. Yeah. Yeah. But Smarty Pants, which is those gummies that you see, oh, and yeah. they're in every grocery, they're in Walmart, they're in Target. They are one of the few mainstream brands that provide it in the methyl form. I love it. I know. So that is, that's what I recommend to people. That's great. Just taking that. Yeah. 
Perfect. Okay. Really helpful. Is there an amount that we need to aim for? Research, the little bit of research that is out there suggests that you need a pretty high amount or in terms of folate. You need around 15 milligrams. Like I said earlier, folate can mask a B12 deficiency, and you don't want to do that. So what I opted to do, we take that multivitamin, the Smarty Pants multivitamin, and then we also take a methylated B complex. So it's got a methylated form of B12, it's got methylated folate, and it's got a few other B vitamins in there just to make sure we're getting everything. Okay, so Carolyn, you and your kids take methylated B vitamin supplements Mm -hmm. And, you know, at this point, I'm sure everybody remembers that we kind of like to wrap up the podcast talking about what it is that we actually do. Like, we just covered the science. So in the world of what you eat, drink, and take as a supplement, what else are you guys doing at home? (laughs) Well, I really – I have not been a big supplement person, but we really got owned supplements about two and a half years ago. And I mentioned – I went kind of went down a rabbit hole with the mother effer when I had my daughter had some health issues. And so our supplement intake really started with her condition and she has kind of a autoimmune condition. And so I was really focused on supplements from an immune perspective. But then as I was researching them, what they prescribed to her, I realized, gosh, this could be beneficial for all of us. And one of the positives is the mental wellness aspect. So I really just started giving them to all of us across the board and kind of the more I continue to learn, the more I'm like, this is a, this has been a really good decision. Yeah. You, you went in the right yeah. direction. And then with COVID, I was like, wow, I'm already on it. I only had to add zinc, but yeah. So we take a methylated multivitamin. We take the Smarty Pants, the chewables. We take a methylated B complex that has got B12 and folate in its methyl forms. We take omega-3s um, with a high EPA to DHA range. We, I try to incorporate a little magnesium. We didn't really talk about magnesium, but magnesium is one, there's not as strong a connection, but it's another one of those um, minerals that you typically see low levels in depressed individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's also one because of all how refined our food supply is that most of us are probably low in. Mm-hmm. So I use like that calm, that magnesium, the calm powder. Yeah. I will put that in drinks or, you know, I'll make like brew some tea and I'll put like, it kind of has a lemon flavor. I'll put that in drinks, try to sneak something in. And then we take a probiotic. This is a probiotic that was, I think I mentioned this earlier, that was recommended for my daughter specifically for gut health in regards to the immune system and um, as well as mental wellness. So I think I got everything. My kids would probably say they feel like it's a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing was better than the other day when I was at your house and we were in the dining room and you were Mm -hmm. shifting some things around and you found two of your son's supplements and you looked at them and you were like, save these and make sure he takes them tonight oh yeah I find them all over the place you know so I hope some get in them yeah oh I did when COVID hit I added vitamin C and zinc to that so and anything in terms of diet that you feel like you focus on you know I'm not perfect by any means at all nobody is I know but I really try to choose less processed when possible this does not mean I cook everything from scratch by any means at all but 
just focusing on those whole foods. And when I do buy, like when I buy a jar of spaghetti sauce, I look at the ingredient list. And, you know, does the does the ingredient list include ingredients that if I were cooking this from scratch at home and I was looking at a recipe, are the ingredients the same as what's on this label? Yes, that's <laughs> you know? such a great way to put it. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about like, oh, is the ingredient list short? Well, okay, the reality of the matter in some things that you make is the ingredient list is easy isn't even short if you were making it yes for yourself from scratch right so I love that way that you just put it like if the ingredients look like what a recipe ingredient list might look like you're on you're on the right track like if I was making this at home I'd want to see I'd use tomatoes and olive oil and garlic and onions and you know maybe some basil and that's what I want to see probably add some salt and pepper yeah salt and pepper yeah. yeah 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 So that's that's kind of my approach to things. Um, and luckily, we're getting better quality foods like salad dressings. There are really some good brands out there with really healthier oils. And, you know, I, I use that same trick for buying salad dressings. If I was making this dressing at home. Right. <laughs> are these the ingredients that would be in it? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like that, like additive that, you know, emulsifier or binder, you're like, I d- yeah. no, no, yeah, no. That's not in my kitchen. No. (laughs) And then, you know, getting just so just getting as many whole foods or minimally processed Mm -hmm. foods. And, you know, I I use a lot of frozen produce, too. I buy a lot of fresh, but I also use a lot of frozen, you know, just trying to keep it simple. What do you do, Briarly? What what do you focus on? Okay. So since we kind of you led with supplements, I'll lead with supplements. How's that sound? So uh, I take, personally, I take a very high dose iron supplement and I take it because I, I have, was previously diagnosed with a extreme case of iron deficiency anemia. Oh. So of course, right, like these sort of things happen and we... Uh, we, I'm saying we, meaning like me and Carolyn, we're, we're like, ooh, let's read more about this, right? So I turned to PubMed, my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I found out actually that sometimes if you are deficient, not everybody, but there is some limited research that shows that if you're deficient in iron, it can actually amp up your anxiety and make you more mm. irritable. So it's – it. Again, like the research is limited, but like there was this one study where parents and teachers of kids who were severely and chronically iron deficient in their infancy reported an increased concern about their kids' anxiety. So obviously it was, you know, in children, but nevertheless, there seems to be a connection. So I've been really diligent about taking this this iron supplement yeah. and actually I take a prescription level of it and then I keep going back and getting my levels tested. And so I'm still in that phase yeah. where we're trying to like make sure that they stay in like yeah. the normal But you're range. working with a doctor. I think it's important yes. to say this is not one that you want to just go to the drugstore and start popping. Correct. You, you want to go to a doctor or go to a health practitioner and, you know, me- get your levels measured. Right. Yeah. So I'm getting my – I get my levels measured. I take a – doctor prescribed prescription that I pay for at the pharmacy and then I go and every anywhere from like three to four months I go and get my levels redrawn to see where they're at. That's really interesting about anxiety and that makes me think you know back to my nutrition 101 um, that I teach when we talk about iron 
in uh, the textbook talks about how in children, iron deficiency can appear like ADD or ADHD. Oh. Yes, which yes. kind of, yeah, it could, yeah, it could be that kind of anxiety and hyped up activity. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That like shorter attention span, mm-hmm. that almost like irritability. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. Okay. So then the other one is the vitamin D. I go on and off with vitamin D, um, mostly just because I'm lazy. But lately, I've really gotten back into it because it also, as we have discussed now, it has these immune benefits, right? And yes, COVID, but it's also, you know, that time of year where colds and flu is, you know, circulating. And And we're inside more. We're inside more. We surely, you know, we don't get a lot of it in our diet. I know my kids do a much better job of getting it in their diet because they're they're pretty good milk drinkers Mm -hmm. so that helps but yeah and I take the the liquid dropper form and I take that because I hate swallowing pills okay so but isn't that weird like you just put drops of the oil like on your tongue or under your tongue how do you do that I mean I would say like swallowing like avid people I've met uh-huh. do it that way but no for me like I just I just drop it into something that I'm eating oh. or, that I know my kid, oh. that my kids are going to eat and like we know it's go- I know it's going to be finished I never thought about putting it in food yeah so that's what I do and it works it works well for us and and it's you know they don't really notice yeah. um and I don't notice either but it's you know it's like it's a little yeah. it's a little oily the other thing I've noticed especially since I moved here to Birmingham, is we eat a lot of vegetables. More than you did in Vermont? No, it's not that I eat more than I did in Vermont now. It's that... about to say, that is shocking. Move to Alabama and you eat more vegetables. Yeah. No, I still eat the same amount. It's just that I think because, like, culturally... The way that vegetables are most often consumed in the South is is different than in the Northeast. And also, when I lived in the Northeast, I was, you know, I worked for a healthy eating magazine. I socialized with a lot of folks mm. that I worked with when I came here to Birmingham. I worked at a healthy eating magazine. I socialized with a variety of different, you know, different people and... I, you know, I noticed it mostly because other people would come to my house pre-COVID and would comment on like, oh, you eat a lot of vegetables. Then put me in the dating world and it's hilarious to go out on a date, again, pre-COVID, but to like go on a date and eat. They think you're obsessed with vegetables. They think I'm a vegetable (laughs) fanatic. (laughs) Like these men think that I am cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like they do. So anyway, just a like a way of saying like we we eat a, a lot of vegetables in my house. That's like, great, it, and it's something that I do love that my kids are good about doing. But it you know it's something that now I'm like I mean this is your key to happiness. Kids eat the kale, just do it, <laughs> just do it. But they do, they love it. Coffee. We're gonna talk about this more in another episode, but yeah. I definitely. I am a person who actually can use coffee to kind of temper my anxiety. You've mentioned that. I drink coffee. And then the last one, which we are going to talk about in two episodes from now, is intermittent fasting. Yes. And I I do intermittent fasting. And there's 
a little bit of research yeah. that we've already seen, and we're going to dig in more, like I said, in two episodes. Yeah, I'm super excited. We've got a great guest. You're right. I didn't think about throwing that in. And what I think is interesting is you and I have both been doing intermittent fasting, but we didn't know the other person was doing it. Right. But we both really liked the effects we have felt individually. And then it was interesting. We were talking and we realized we both, we each did it and we both had felt really positive effects. And I feel like some of mine spills over to possibly mental wellness. And maybe that's just in my head. Right. (laughs) It could be the placebo effect of the intermittent fasting. But I I feel better. Yeah. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, so that, we're going to do a whole episode on that. And then we can decide whether or not it's placebo effect or if it's legit. Yeah. So more whole foods, less processed. Probably everybody could benefit for from a vitamin D supplement. And then, you know, the others are, you know, probably your own personal call. If you need supplements or if you eat fish or don't eat fish. You know. She says as she looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was over here eating a bagel with some uh, smoked salmon on it earlier. Yes. And I had to ask Carolyn. You're such a good eater. Is it okay? Does this smell bad? Does it bother you? No. It didn't bother her one bit. But anyway, she took her omega-3. I eat mine. There we go. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast and for hanging with us for this two-part episode. All the products and nutrients we mentioned can be found in the show notes. We'd also love to know if you'd like us to drill down further to look at specific nutrients like sugar or fats and how they may affect mental wellness. You can let us know in the comments on Instagram or Facebook or DM us. And as always, if you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.